going to be in Mark chapter 10 tonight. Well, we're going to be more than chapter 10, but that's where we're going to start. Mark chapter 10. As you're turning to that, there are two instances of healing in the book of Mark that are relatively close. I'm going to use these two instances more or less as bookends. Bookends to look at what happens in between these two healings of these two blind men and see if we uh, can gather some information about how we compare these two instances with what happens in between. And also to center what we're going to say around a phrase. The phrase might be, on the way with Jesus. As between these two instances, the disciples are on the way in their walk with the Lord. And we're on our way with the walk with, with our walk with the Lord, so maybe we can learn some lessons for us tonight as we look at this passage. Mark 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, a blind beggar named uh, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, arise, he is calling for you. And casting aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. That's the first instance. Uh, Bartimaeus was uh, healed. Look at the... Look at the instance in, recorded in uh, Mark 8. We're going to take them in reverse order. Mark 8, verse 22, where a blind man was healed. And they came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and entreated him to touch him. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands upon them, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I am seeing them like trees walking about. Then again he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently, and when restored, and began to see everything clearly. And he, went, and he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Now between these two passages of these instances, there are, there are recordings of episodes in the life of the disciples. Let's look at those episodes. Mark 8, verse 27, where this is Peter's confession. And you know the story. Jesus went out along with the disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way, he questioned his disciples. The question was put to them, who do people say that I am? And they began to answer that. And then he gets personal with the question. He says, well, who do you say that I am? And that's where... Peter made the confession, Thou art the Christ. But you remember also, before that little instance is open, over, 
that Jesus began to share with him openly what things must happen to him. And Peter said, no, Lord, this can't happen to you. And Jesus rebuked him and said, get thee behind me, Satan, for you do not, you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Secondly, let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 33. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. They came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he began to question them, saying, what were you discussing on the way? They, they had traveled through the countryside and he wanted to know what they were talking about. He knew, but he asked them. And they were silent. For on the way, they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. And sitting down, he called the twelve and he said to them, if anyone wants to be first, that he shall be last of all, the servant of all. And taking a child, he set him before them, and taking him by the arms, he said to them, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me, and whoever receives me does, whoever does not receive me does not, excuse me, and whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. Let's look at the third instance, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. We're going to pull all these together in a moment. This is the rich young ruler, and he came to Jesus with a question. And he said, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? And they began to talk about the commandments. And the, the rich young ruler had claimed that he had kept the commandments from his youth up. And Jesus said, you lack one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor. A third instance. Mark 10, verse, chapter 10, verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking on ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were fearful. And he got, again, he took the twelve aside, and he began to tell them what was going to happen to him. And behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and he begins to talk about the scourging and the mocking and all that's going to happen when they get to Jerusalem. In fact, there are three times, we didn't read all of them, but there's three times from chapter 8 to chapter 10 that Jesus talks to his disciples about what things he must suffer on the road going to Jerusalem. I don't think it ever soaked into them what Jesus was really talking about, what was before him and what was before them. There's a well-known saying that says, there is none so blind as those who will not see. We have many instances of that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. One that we have in the Old Testament is when King David, after he had committed a terrible act of sin, the old prophet came to him, gave him a little parable. And in that parable, it's kind of like what Peggy said, you bring things down on the human level and sometimes they look a little differently. David thought as long as he was king, he could do anything he wanted to. But when the old prophet brought it down in terms of shepherd and sheep, and a pet lamb. Then he said, that man who is guilty of taking this pet lamb from this man who that was, that was his prized possession and he took it. Well, that man ought to be killed. And the old prophet said, you're the man, David. You need to be. He couldn't see it until it was brought down on his level and then he began to see. In looking at this passage of Scripture and, and noticing there was two blind men, and when I was studying it, I was doing it out of the King James. So if it's in your translation, you might not have the phrase on the road. It might paraphrase that, or if you have a translation that doesn't do that. But I checked it and used that phrase on the road, and there's where we got these four or five instances that we looked at. 
But in reading this segment, I wondered who was really blind and who could really see. The disciples are, I believe, the ones that were blind in this segment. And to point that out, look at Mark 8, verse 33, and we're just going to check a couple references this way. Mark 8, chapter 33. Remember, this is where the great confession where Peter said, Thou art the Christ. Verse 33 says this. And turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Who was not seen? It was Peter. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Let's read further. And he summoned the multitude with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him de deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel shall save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He was trying to bring light and understanding to the disciples, but they were blind. Let's check another reference quickly. Mark chapter 9 and verse 30. Jesus was foretelling, foretelling his death. Verses 32 through 32 says this, And from there they went out and began to go through Galilee, and he was unwilling for anyone to know about it. And he was teaching the disciples and telling them that he must suffer many things. And look at 32. But they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask him. Did they see? No, they did not see. Look at verses uh, 13 through 16 in chapter 10. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. The disciples were not having the mind. They couldn't see the purpose of bringing children to Jesus. But it's clear in this passage what Jesus' attitude is. He said, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them for... They, for of such is the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. Were they seeing? No, they weren't seeing. And look at verse 32 in chapter 10. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. That phrase right there says the disciples just did not understand. They couldn't see. He was talking to them, but they could not hear. Now we begin to understand why so many times Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. He that has eyes to see, let him see. Why is it that he would, that he would have a healing of a blind man here and a healing of a blind man here? And as Mark records this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there's so many instances happening on in between where the disciples could not see. And I ask myself the question then, who was most blind? It was the ones who had eyes, physical eyes that were open and could see all the things that were happening around, but it was a blind man who had enough faith to trust the Lord to do a miracle in his life. He's the one who could really see even when his eyes were not, closed, were not open. And it's interesting too that the last time that this phrase, on the road, is used, was with old Bartimaeus. That's verse 52 of chapter 10. And Jesus said to him, Go on your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. 
I thought of old Bartimaeus on the road with the rest of these disciples, and I thought this guy probably saw more things than the disciples. Strangely, our example of faith in this passage is not the disciples, but Bartimaeus. And uh, it was he who had the desire for Christ to meet a need in his life and to receive from the Lord what was offered to him. And the Bible teaches that all we receive from the Lord is by his grace. But it also teaches us that if we're going to receive something by the grace of the God, the grace of God, that we have to have a part in that as well. Bartimaeus recognized and admitted his need to the Lord, and he asked Jesus to let him receive his sight, and Jesus granted that request. We learn from this that just because we are associated with spiritual things and are close to spiritual teaching, that alone is not the guarantee that we're really going to see things from God's perspective. So I believe the passage teaches this. It teaches us to do what Bartimaeus did. Number one, he sought the Lord. Two, he asked the Lord to heal him. And three, he followed the Lord. Now that happened in a physical, to meet a physical need. He sought out the Lord. He was persistent in that. Christ met him at the point of his need and he was healed. I said to myself, could this happen in the spiritual as well? Could this happen? Is part of what the Holy Spirit wants us to see in this passage is to see that also this blindness of understanding can also be touched by the Lord and can we follow the same kind of processes in our lives? And verses begin to come to mind that that the Lord has given to us to reveal truth. The discipleship class is memorizing this week, John 8, 31 and 32, out of the King James. I threw in the King James because some ought to renew it in another translation. They didn't want to change. But it's okay. It won't hurt your mind. It'll be fine. It says, if you continue in my words, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. I thought of also the 16th chapter of John where Jesus is uh, talking about the Comforter. We sang about the Comforter tonight. We introduced the, the sermon with a passage about the Comforter. But in verse 13, Jesus said this, when he, and he's called in this verse, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. It's the Holy Spirit of God that will lead us into all truth. That is the opening of spiritual blindness. There's another thing that came to mind, and that's John chapter 17 and verse 17, where Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. You see, there's a, I wondered, what, what was it that brought healing? What was it that brought sight to the disciples? It wasn't walking with Jesus along the road. It wasn't a lot of times seeing what he did or even hearing his words. What was it that brought sight? We read about it as we opened the, ver or the sermon, or the service tonight. It was the coming of the Holy Spirit to their lives. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. 
It's the word, it's the power of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives that brings light and understanding and heals that spiritual blindness. You see, as Peter was a disciple and walking with Christ prior to Pentecost, he did not understand many things. But it was he, after having received the Holy Spirit in that upper room, that went out and preached like everybody should know what he's talking about. It happened like that. And Jesus had already told them that the Holy Spirit would bring into their mind all remembrance. And he said, he will, he, he, he will guide you into all truth. They, they had been filled with the Holy Spirit and it had really radically changed their minds, changed their heart, changed their understanding, changed their perception. Another key to spiritual blindness is to ask. James tells us that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask and God will give it to you. And another thing that I believe is through the power of the Holy Spirit, keeping our lives as close to the Lord as we possibly can. Because Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's interesting as we reflect back on Scripture and we look at two bookend events, two healings of physical blindness, and we see spiritual blindness in between and we look back on that and we say, how could they have been so confused? How could they have not seen who Jesus was? How could they not have understood what he was telling them to do and what was forthcoming in their lives? But as the story is written of our lives one day, will there be bookend events? And if people were to look, if it were written down, if people were to look back on our lives, what would be the question? Would they say that we are the ones that have been spiritually restored and healed and, and are seeing everything clearly as that first blind man said he, he, he saw after that second touch? Or will they look back on our lives and say, there was sure a lot of spiritual blindness that went on in those bookend events. I believe the key to healing of spiritual blindness is wrapped up in the power of the Holy Spirit of God illuminating our hearts and our minds. It's making that abandon, that sweet abandon that Peggy talked about, giving our lives so that we're living in sweet, holy communion with Him. And let me say this too, if we were to evaluate one another's lives tonight, it would be very, very interesting. From our own perspective, we some of us would be like the disciples and we'd say, well, I know maybe they don't understand, but you see, I understand. And there would be difference of perspective here, so we're to work out our own salvation here with fear and trembling. And we're to have the attitude with one another as Jesus did. As you look at Jesus, we didn't take time to do all this. I would encourage you to do it on your own. Look through Mark 8 and through, and through Mark 10 and you will see how much love and patience and understanding Jesus gives to these disciples until the Holy Spirit is able to work in their lives and bring them the understanding that they need and bring that healing into their lives. And that tells me the attitude of the church should be with one another. That's our responsibilities with love and patience. Pray that one day the power of the Holy Spirit would be released in all of our lives. 
that would share a common understanding of what it is to walk in the truth because His Word is in the truth. And we keep pouring ourselves into the Scripture. And we keep ourselves in a strong devotional tie with our Lord and say, would you continue to teach me and bring this light and this understanding? Because you see, Lord, I don't want to be a disciple who's walking through life not seeing things. As you're bringing instances into my life, I want to know exactly what you're doing and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When the book is written on us as a church, on your life and my life, my prayer is that it would be written that they saw all things clearly through the power of the Holy Spirit. Stand with me, please. I'd like for us to sing a closing hymn, number 36. We don't sing this hymn too often, but it ties in to the message tonight in a very beautiful way. It's a prayer. And as we sing it, I want it to be your prayer. It's a prayer for the Lord to keep our heart and our mind illumined to the truth. If tonight you'd like to talk to the Lord about anything at all that's happening in your life or your perceptions of things or your perception of a circumstance or a situation, your confusion about something that's happened, you don't understand why or when or how it's going on. Maybe you'd just like to make this a prayer not only in a song, but here at the altar and just say, Lord, open my eyes that I might see. Maybe that verse from James is for you tonight. Ask, and you shall receive. And we have not because we ask not, Jesus said. And if any man lack wisdom, as James says, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. As we sing it tonight, let this be the prayer of each of our hearts. Bill, lead us as we sing. Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth Thou hast for me Place in my hands the wonderful key Thou shalt unclasp and set me free Silently now I wait for Thee Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me. Spirit divine, open my ears that I may
open my mouth and let me bear. Let me the warm truth everywhere. Open my heart and let me prepare. Love will tonight we make that as our prayer collectively together that you would open our heart and our eyes and our mouth and our mind and if there's an apprehension we have in serving you that is that some way we would be inattentive to your will inattentive to the Holy Spirit inattentive to the voice of God and it's our prayer every day Lord that we would be sensitive make us sensitive May we keep do those things that would keep us sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, for we believe that the answer to spiritual blindness is wrapped up in the power of the Holy Spirit. This week we determine in our hearts and in our lives to be found searching and seeking for the very center of your holy will. Being able to talk to you every day in prayer and open your word and let you speak to us. Thank you for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. How anxious you are. How anxious the Holy Spirit is to lead us into all truth. And we go from this place rejoicing because of your desire for us to follow you and our desire to be found in the center of your will. Help us to pray for one another this week and to express the kind of love that we've just sung about the kind of love that you have for each of us. May we share that love with one another. And keep us as a church this week strong and determined in our heart to be all for God that you want us to be no matter what the cost. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.